you know, I think I'm being strong by holding it in, but I am much stronger and my, my uh, relationship has firmer footing when I'm speaking my truth. Welcome to the Peaches Ain't Pink podcast. A show with two cousins from different worlds with the same dedication to glutes and truth. I'm Meredith Atwood, a former attorney turned coach and author of The Year of No Nonsense. And I'm Brianna Belser, a Harvard grad turned TV writer and actor. Leave your expectations at the door and join us. Time to grow your peach. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Peaches Ain't Pink. Today, we are on episode 106, and we are talking about the downside of strong. So our episode 104 was a glutes and truth episode about strength, and we thought it would be fun (laughs) to take this one, this topic, under the precision, not perfection header and talk about strength from the emotional and mental and squishy side of things. So I really struggle with this. And I don't know about you, Brie, but I like everyone to think I'm super tough and I don't want anyone to see me squishy (laughs) and soft and weak. But what I'm realizing is that there's a lot more to showing your soft side than just being weak. And so being strong is awesome but I think it can also be weaponized in an emotional sense. So that's where we're kind of jumping off today. So where do you want to go? Yeah, I want to go to what you said about how strength can sometimes be weaponized. And when we're talking about emotional or spiritual or mental strength, let's unpack what are, what are scenarios in which the weaponization happens. So I'm thinking first, if you're a strong person, that means you're not allowed to break down or you're not allowed to feel weak or vulnerable so that is a way to be weaponized it could also be being policed by those who love you Um, what's wrong you're not usually like this this has never bothered you before and these sort of signposts about how out of character you're acting how not strong you're acting can be scary and kind of muzzling Um, And I would say personally for me, I have been working hard to be vulnerable. I used to be a girl who pledged never to cry in public. (laughs) And it just hit me, you know, in college, I was like, this is such a bullshit target. So if I want to cry, I I feel my eyes prick and my throat tighten. I'm going to cry and just let it go, let it out, so to speak. Most relevant to my life is, I don't know that I want to seem tough, but I definitely want to seem together. Mm. And I would say for the most part, I am together. Um, But I've had a few hard times. I've had breakups. I've had job losses and failures and reported to my social circle, hey, I need help. Hey, I'm not doing well. But I say it in that tone of voice and I explain, well, I'm not doing well because I just had a breakup with someone who I felt ultimately disrespected me 
or I failed something that I worked really hard for, like an audition. And my response has been on occasion, oh, okay, I'm so sorry about that. Platitudes, not emotionally engaging with me. And what I've learned through lots of therapy, reading so many <laughs> Brene Brown books is people respond to how you express the emotion more than they respond to the content. And so I've come back in these situations and said, I asked you for help. I declared vulnerably that I'm not okay. And I explained why and you didn't do anything. And the answer has often been you seemed fine because you're uh, so strong. Right. Right. And even a step before that. So I think it's super brave that you even asked for help because I mean, that's a big barrier. I don't even like to ask. I don't want you to know I'm paddling underwater really hard. Like that's how, you know, built up the walls are for me. I mean, I, I don't want anyone to see me struggle. And so which is really funny because a lot of what I write about <laughs> is exactly about the struggle. But I think like in real time, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't want to ask for help. And I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's fear of rejection. I don't know if it's fear that someone's going to let me down because I have unreasonable expectations of other people. But I really struggle with even asking. So I think it's great that you, especially at your age, have realized, hey, I can ask for help. But, that, but then what you said about how people respond in a way that's not especially helpful, that's my fear. So now I'm like, well, see, she asked and she doesn't get the response. So that's why we just shouldn't ask anyway. Um, so I'm just going to continue to not be vulnerable. And I hate, like, we talked offline, I hate the word vulnerability. Like when people say yeah. it, I'm like, ah, no thanks. Yeah. No thanks. What I've recognized now is... I have to give reminders and signposts. Hey, do you remember the last time I asked for help and I said I wasn't okay and you said you heard me and then did nothing? This time, please show up. I need to be checked in on. Can I have a few hugs? Um, please don't make me ask in the moment. I need you to remember this is your reminder. What I found is there, like, I have a really great support system who wants to be there for me. I'm not outwardly expressive. I don't call in the middle of the crisis. I call and I'm like, so the world went to shit. It doesn't feel good. I need love. And they're like, mm, okay. Whereas if I was like, oh my God, the world was shit. Like I would get that reaction and that soothing. So I've learned through therapy and this commitment to holding my support system accountable for supporting me and holding myself accountable for being vulnerable, patient, and communicative. What I've learned through this process is I have to remind I have to be a little bit more emotionally expressive and that my support system rises up and that's valuable and it's affirming for me. You said a really important word. You said accountability. And we talked about that a couple episodes back. Yeah. That this is something that kind of falls into accountability, holding yourself right. accountable for your emotions and holding yourself accountable for asking for what you need. So I just yes. thought that was a nice little tie in. Okay. Now you go. Thank you. <laughs> Um, the, so hopping back to what you said about it's difficult to be able to ask. We've talked about taking measure of stakes before you decide to buy into something mentally, emotionally. If you could spitball, what do you feel like the stakes are 
you mentioned that you might not look as tough as you'd like. What are the stakes of not looking tough? And then alternatively, you mentioned maybe like there's some fear, something bad will come of it. What are the stakes of if you're in the shitter and you need help and you say, I'm in the shitter, I need help. What are the stakes of that if it doesn't come out how you plan? I think for me that this all comes down to my perceived loss of control. (laughs) I think when I have a wall up and I react with anger versus heart or I'm not communicating or I'm not asking for what I need, I am able to think I am in control of the situation or the relationship or the outcome that if I'm not expressing weakness, then I'm controlling everything. Like control is a big thing for me. And so by admitting I need help, I say, I don't have control by saying, I feel scared. I'm saying I don't have control, but the joke, (laughs) the joke is I don't have control. Like, ever, right? Like, what do we control? There's nothing, um, everything the pandemic has shown us is like control. Oh, you had no control ever. And so I think it's that mental state um, within myself realizing that, oh, you actually don't have control. And the only thing you have control of is your attitude and the food you put in your face. Like, that's all I, that's what I always say. And so admitting that I don't have control and putting myself out there is really that vulnerability for me. Um, that's so, so I fear. real. Yeah. That's I so fear real. that. I fear that. Um, I fear, I fear my worst fears coming true. And let me explain that. So I have these irrational fears, um, about like, I'm going to get divorced and it's not really irrational because anyone that's married is like, that's a very rational fear, but I have this theory, this really bad theory that, my husband is going to leave me for a younger woman in 10 years. (laughs) And I carry it around. I'm like, well, when you're 50, you're going to be like lots of dudes out there and you're just going to leave me. And so if I'm vulnerable and tell him that to receive him saying, you're a crazy person, stop it. I love you. I choose to get old with you. But then if I don't say anything, it festers. And I'm trying to be strong and I'm not being vulnerable, but deep down I'm getting angrier and angrier and he doesn't even know it's happening. Right. Right. Poor guy's just getting like the shit into the stick and he's like, why is she so crazy? And it's like, cause you're leaving me for a younger woman. And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, admit it, <laughs> you know? And, and so my fear is, and this is, this is Meredith logic for you. My fear is he's going to leave me in 10 years and I really got like one good decade of looks left. And then you just start to go to shit at 15. <laughs> this is my theory and then no one will love me because I'm unlovable and but that is all like terrible logic all of it all of it and so okay but here I'm gonna interrupt you right there emotions aren't logical so who cares if how you feel is terrible logic it's coming from a real place and wanting to feel secure in your relationship and needing reassurance but struggling to get it that's real your husband's sort of confusion at your unspoken fears, that's real. Beauty in terms of women and our value and our measure of how worthy we are is real. So yeah, fuck it. Terrible logic, very valid emotions. And emotions aren't logical. Right, and that's where the vulnerability comes in because I'm explaining this non-logical emotion, right? 
and for, instead of holding it inside and festering and thinking that my, you know, all these things are happening by me speaking, Hey, you know what, dude, I'm kind of afraid of this. And then, he, you know, the reception is, was surprising. I mean, I don't, why is it surprising me? I don't know, but the reception was seriously, let that one go. Like, it's fine. You know, it was like a calming response versus, I mean, I know he was thinking this, this woman's bad shit. I've known her for so long and she's always been bad shit. I know he, you know, that's probably what he's thinking, but, um, yeah, speaking, you don't know that <laughs> you're right. I don't, I'm not a fortune teller, but speaking the emotion takes the sting out of it internally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's actually better to be, you become more strong by speaking it. I guess it's yes. like the summary, you know, I think I'm being strong by holding it in, but I am much stronger and my, my, uh, relationship has firmer footing when I'm speaking my truth, my internal emotional truth, not necessarily the truth. <laughs> you name and you claim the vulnerability or the fears, the shame, and it takes the sting out of it. This is straight Brene Brown 101, okay? <laughs> She's got that beautiful viral TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability. She's got a book, Rising Strong, Daring Greatly. She's got a Netflix special, Call to Courage. Oh, I love the Netflix special. Same, I do too. Yeah. Um, but the message is all the same, right? Where it's, we have things that we're ashamed of. Is it aging? Is it being exposed for an imposter? And we hide these shames. They fester and manifest in angry spews, insecurities, depression. And the antidote is to name it, claim it, and be vulnerable. So using your example, <clears throat> if I were to put on my Brene hat, I feel like one of the things that she encourages is to use phrases like the story I tell myself. So in this um, scenario where you've got ten, your clock is ticking on your marriage, um, <laughs> Yes, it's vulnerable to articulate that you have that fear, but is it a deeper or a second rung level of vulnerability to say, the story I tell myself is that the clock is ticking because I'm aging and I can't stop it and, and men can get the younger woman infinitely long. And my fear in telling you this is that you will think or tell me that I'm crazy. What I need mm. is for you to reassure me that what we have is more than skin deep, that my fears are valid but not realistic and that you love me. And I think the, the vulnerability, it's when you say name it, it's like name it all. Name the thing, name the fear, fear of the thing and name the instruction or the reaction that you know will soothe the shame or the pain that's there. And then that's signposting, right? Signposting, this is an act of vulnerability. I need to be met in this act of vulnerability. I'm scared shitless, so you better love me good. And if you expect me to pay my friendship, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, cousin dues, when you need some shit, you better show up today. This is your moment. Rise. <laughs> rise. <laughs> and, and <laughs> rise strong. And rise strong. Yes. She better, honestly, she better give us a cut for all this name dropping. I mean, <laughs> I better see a check. So, Renee, you That's heard right. me. But I think personally for me, the other thing is I lashed out really hard. Um, I had a breakup at the beginning of this year. And it was painful in the sense that starting over sucks. Um, it's all of those worth questions that come up. Will I meet someone? Yada, yada. Why did this happen? Insert insecurity here. And I told my circle, they responded with the platitudes on autopilot because I told them calmly and coolly 
And they made the assumption that I was strong and I was good. And I sounded strong as I said, yes, I'm sad and heartbroken and feeling solitary. Oh, and a pandemic has started. And signposting the way that you've articulated where you name it and claim it was a way for me to say, hi there, I called upon you in a time of a breakup. You already have social norms and protocols for how you soothe someone in crisis. You did not implement those when I called upon you. Therefore, I feel like you don't care about me. If you do care about me, show up. So what I had to claim was I gave a because, I rationalized. And I heard a lot of people that I had this confrontation with because I told them they didn't care. And it's not my fucking place to tell someone their intentions. At the same time, I need actions and values and words to align. You say you give a damn, you did nothing in a time that I was called upon. Align those on your end. And then for me, I will communicate more and I'll shut the fuck up and not go so far as the because. I'm not allowed to finish the statement and assign you reasons and narratives. So again, I think, you know, it's a worthwhile journey. I'm not an expert. It hurts. (laughs) But I've had throughout this pandemic, I don't know if I hadn't had that sort of come to Jesus meeting with everybody in my life in January when the pandemic hit and I was living by myself in a shutdown, completely apocalyptic Los Angeles, if I had felt like an isolate the way that I felt in January, I think that I would have been really, really mentally unwell. And by the time March came, that eight weeks of shaking it up, intensive therapy and calling folks in and giving them the signposts, folks showed up for me in the way that I needed as I spent what is today 190 days in isolation. Wow. So I want to go back to when you were saying, this is how I need you to show up for me. Did you literally tell people this is what I need? Oh, I got so explicit because I used to be like, you know that you hug someone. You know that you say checking in, but you don't say, hey, checking in. You say like, how's your open? Ask me a fucking open ended question. Don't make me a check mark on your list of shit so that you can go back to the TV guide. (laughs) The TV guide. I came from this super rage place. And then I realized because I had presented so strong and so tidy that they hadn't had opportunities to be initiated in consoling and supporting Brianna. They literally didn't know what the fuck to do. So yes, generically, here's what people need. What does Brianna need? So I had to be like, and and this is what therapy and, and aggressive journaling helped me with. Um, And a fun exercise, there's a book called Zen as Fuck, and it's just a, you know, journal and adult coloring book that allows you to unpack some of the stressors so that you can become Zen as Fuck. Um, And one of the exercises in there is, you know, imagine a few things that you need from the people in your life, fill in these thought clouds, and then send it to them. And my first one was, (laughs) I want you to come the first time that I call. I want hugs without having to ask for them because asking for them is hard for me. And I want to be checked in in a way that does not make me feel like an obligation or a pity case. So engage in conversation with me. The the fourth thing was, please remember what I say. If I have to preface the same bootleg intro every time because you can't recall names of people and basic points of why, what story popped it off, I feel unheard. 
So when I say his name, when I say the show name, when I say the date, whatever it was, fucking remember and reference it and engage with me. The other thing is I'm never looking for advice unless I say, can you give me advice? I'm always explicit about that. Right. Don't give me advice unless I want it. And don't go into fix-it mode. Let me bitch and moan for a second. And so I didn't even know that I needed these tools until I had to sit down, write them out, ask people, are you open and willing to meet me in this way? Can you remember these four or five items so that I never have to brief you on the protocols again? Now, I might brief you as a courtesy, but I don't want to have to. I don't want to say, hey, by the way, remember steps one through five? (laughs) Just do it. You have it. And I actually sent photographs of it so that folks had it. And it has has helped. And they have risen to the occasion. Wow. I'm super impressed. I need to take something from your playbook because I... I don't know. I, maybe it's the nature of coaching. I'm, I'm often in coach mode. So I am hearing absorbing problems all day long, right? Troubleshooting. That's part of the job. And that's real. Yeah. So that's real. And then I don't expect my clients to check on me. So I separate that. Right. And then I'm like, where do I, when I have friends and then friends come to me with their problems. And so I go into this weird coach mode with my friends and I have this one friend in particular I check on all the time and I always get her whole deal and I, you know, she'll be like, so how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then that's the end of it, you know, but but whose fault is that? And then I like tend to grumble. I tend to be like, well, she doesn't ever check on me. She only pops in when she needs something. And, and, and that's how I grumble about my relationships or I think about, how people always reach out to me when they need something, but no one ever checks on Meredith. I think about that all the time. And I'm like, I have never put off the vibe that I'm not okay. This is your own damn fault, Meredith. And, you know, and so I have this one other friend who she doesn't buy it. She knows, Mm -hmm. and I don't know where she came from. She came out of social media and into my life and declared herself my friend. And she will say, bullshit, what's going on? And I'm like, I do not like you, (laughs) but she's the person that she always digs in through, you know, reaches out and says, I don't buy it, what's going on? And so I'm able to be really open with her. And that's a beautiful thing. But I think many of us, especially strong personality types who've existed in this world in this way, and we show up like helping everyone else, acting like everything's fine, when no one asks about us, we get ticked off, but absolutely, we, we got to ask, we have to say something. And I think if I actually reached out to my dozen or so close, closest friends and said, I'm really struggling, they would run over their own feet to help me. Cause I've never asked, <laughs> you know, like, right. Oh my God, what's wrong? Do you need me to get on a plane? <laughs> you know? No, that's real. Yeah. I think it's volunteering it though. And Yuki, I want to like, I want to nitpick your language. It's not about fault. There is a reason why you haven't felt safe in that. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why it's not about you have constructed this scenario out of a lack of accountability or out of insert default. There's a reason why you haven't felt safe in what you can say. And I'm only giving advice because I literally just did this in January (laughs) with a a lot of very intensive support from therapy, journals, books, and all the things. But I did do a sort of mass 
confrontation. Like a newsletter. I'm going to send out a newsletter. Look out, bitches. You're about to get called out. Hope you make the cut. (laughs) Um, No, I, but it really came from a place of it's time to pay your friendship dues. (laughs) And you love me. Let's see if you're worth your salt. Here is what I'm missing. I need this. I won't ask again. And it wasn't about, I'm not asking again penalty, but I am so at my max. I've been so clear that if you still can't show up, that's it. I'm going to just orient myself around the folks who say, got it. Hug, hugged. Mm. Phone call, called. I needed it to be that simple. And I wasn't let down. Nobody let you down? Nobody? Uh, I mean, there were some people who I had to end the friendships with, but it didn't feel like a loss. It was so taxing to be there for them one-sided the way you described. Yeah. And it hurt me. I think the other thing that I'm just deeply relating to you about in this issue of what is the downside of being a strong-willed or strong personality is feeling like it wasn't reciprocal. Why am I coming 93% and you coming 7 and you feeling all extra good and healed and whole? And my ass is rickety just (laughs) hobbling down the street, barely getting it together. (laughs) And a lot of it was I noticed that people in my life volunteer information and I don't. Yes. They're like, yeah, so today was really hard. And and I'm like, damn, they I already know what's going on from the start of it being a kernel to when it blows up. So by the time they need some recourse, I'm filled in. Yes. And I'm in a ditch somewhere with a blanket shaking. Like that's Shivering. when I reach out. I'm like, I'm fucked. And they're like, what happened? And people are like, ah, but your Instagram said that you were eating ice cream. That I have to take stock of and really acknowledge the whiplash of it. They're like, yeah. what the fuck? Oh, oh, great. Okay, noted. So I think there's something shocking about that. And to add to what you're saying, I was like, okay, I'm going to volunteer vulnerability. So you lose the defense of, I didn't know. And usually I'll say, just so you know, here's where I'm at. Mm. And I've said that so many times and it undercuts. And the funny thing is my good, good friends aren't looking for the off ramp. They're not trying to get out of loving on me. They want to show up because some part of their worth is being able to be supportive. I took all of those opportunities from these people for most of my friendships. They didn't have to show up. And the few people who were like, yay, I'm not friends with anymore. Right. That's such an interesting point. They're not looking for the off ramp. And I think everyone is. I think that's the difference. Like, So do I. <laughs> I'm like, they just want out of this. They want out of this marriage. They want out of this friendship. Nobody loves me. I mean, I think I have a fundamental belief that... <laughs> You know, people would, if they knew me, they'd get off the off ramp. If they knew that how much I struggled, they'd be out of here. And, and that's not true because I don't think that way about them. Right. And I think that's something you could yeah. articulate is, you know, what? I love you to death. There's been some things on my mind. And honestly, I'm worried if I air it out that you're going to peace out of here. And what I need is for you yeah. to just sit here and see me ugly and tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> and then if tomorrow I want to pretend like it didn't happen, please go along with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
this feels heavy to me. Like we've had some heavy conversations in this one. I'm like, this is so hard. I think it's real. <laughs> I think we should keep unpacking it and exploring it. But it, I, what I want to walk away from this episode saying to you specifically, and like listeners, if you want to get something, you can, but to you specifically, Meredith. <laughs> but you, Meredith, you. Right, is, um, I see you and I relate to so many of your experiences explicitly. Not, oh, here's my version, but explicitly. And so in that, you're not alone. You are worthy and beautiful and fantastic. And as I've said, you know, regarding race conversations, I'm convinced that good effort is good. And the people who are in your life who are down and real for you will jump at the opportunity to demonstrate that that's the case. So give the opportunity when you feel strong enough. Give them the chance yes. to show up for you and give them a study guide because you're more likely to pass a test when you got a cheat sheet, right? Right. So here's the top 10 things you need to know about vulnerable Meredith and what she needs. That's the realest though. Yeah, and real. be like, honestly, um, yeah. calm down is my trigger word. If you say that shit, I'm going to hang up. Like whatever it is. And for me, a lot of it was, how do I actually need to be consoled? Mm. I need you to get angry with me. <laughs> get mad. Yell back. Um, right. So I see you. I feel a lot of love and kinship in this moment for you because of understanding and seeing you. We should keep unpacking this as it feels appropriate, but I think it's worth it. And my homegirl, Brene, who's so fucking annoying because she's right, <laughs> has so many resources and tools and guides you know, her books piss me off every fucking page. I'm like, okay, okay, Brene. All right, good. You did a study. You got some evidence. Like, but I've implemented one or two of her strategies to handle the January breakup and lack of support. And it is the only reason that this pandemic did not shatter me mentally. Because I had, for whatever reason, timing was good. The people who love me rise the fuck up. And it has kept me whole and healthy as a result. So I can't attest to everything in her book. But one or two of those nuggets, yeah. That's right. So we dedicate this episode to Brene Brown, who doesn't care yeah, that we dedicate it to her. But we do anyway, Brene. It's fine. All right. So we're going to close this episode out with the Grow Your Peach for the week. So yeah. here is our little tidbit. If you find yourself on the extreme side of strong, like I have talked about, like Brianna mentioned, then how can you show up this week and show some vulnerability? There's that word again, but how can you ask for what you need? I think is a great ender. Like how, how are you not asking for what you need and expecting people to be fortune tellers or feeling shameful around it? Yeah. And, And really put a stake in the ground on what you need this week from someone close to you and, and see what happens and let us know. And please let us know. Um, I want to give two spitballs to this. How can you show up more? The first one is signpost and volunteer vulnerability. I'm feeling this way because of this thing. I recognize that it may not make sense, but I need to be taken seriously. Please hug me. Give me Ben and Jerry's. Like just signpost it over communicate. Yeah. And you don't have to, vulnerability doesn't mean burst into tears. Vulnerability means show yourself. 
And then the second thing that I would say is start building the list of the itemized bill on your friendship dues. What do they owe you in terms of comfort? What can you charge them in terms of support tactics? And just see what it looks like. Ask yourself what you need. Yeah. All right, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Peaches Ain't Pink. If you want us to riff on something specific, DM us on Instagram at Peaches Ain't Pink. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your favorite peaches. Peaches.